Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Hello, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast extra edition. I'm here with Pratt Rogers, and honestly, Pratt, we're gonna we're probably gonna we're gonna be serving some crow, man. All righty, that's fair. <laughs> first off, I'll get the pleasantries out of the way. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. After um, Cam committed to Ole Miss, like my weekend just completely turned around. It just right then. I was the exact same way. Uh, me and my dad and one of his best friends, we were all freaking out. It was great, great weekend. Was indeed. All right. So let's do the timeline real quick, just so everybody knows that might not be paying attention. The first time you've ever watched a Locked On Ole Miss video is this one. We're going to do the timeline for you. The timeline is this. Ole Miss and Tennessee emerged as the favorites for Cam Franklin way back about a year ago. And that was the, for the longest time, that's what it was. At a certain point, Miami came into the game. Everybody thought Miami was doing that. There was a ton of visits down to South Beach. I was like, hey, that's my dark horse team. Um, that That's the part team that I was kind of um, thinking about. And then Auburn kind of appeared right at the end, which um, honestly, I think it was a total NIL play because they appeared at the end, they got really bright, and then they just kind of fizzled out and nothing really happened up to them. But if you look at this situation and you actually follow the visits of the prospect, Cam Franklin had been to Ole Miss like nine or ten times over the course of a year. Um, he'd been to Tennessee like two or three times, Miami two or three times. I think he's been to Auburn once. So in that way, it kind of made sense, didn't it, Brett? For sure. Hmm. Um, you know, Steve and I sat there, and I think I was uh, maybe dismayed about the possibility of Cam Franklin being a Reb this time last week. And I think you were um, – maybe a little more um, excited than I was about it, even and said, you know, Pratt, just hold your horses and wait to see what happens. And obviously, as we all know by now, I mean, they're, they're recruited the century almost, it feels like. Um, I mean, everybody's called it the Pete Golding effect, you know, all these great monikers, but it it is a very rewarding feeling for, for this, uh, for, for this prospect you know it's kind of funny because in a lot of ways this kind of mirrored what lane kiffin to auburn was last year and there was a point that rumors started happening that cam was interested in auburn and then a reporter came out and basically put a crystal ball out and um, auburn started to get all of those and it just looked like he was going to auburn but at that point, Ole Miss put on a full-court press, and you saw it from a whole bunch of different angles to the point where the next day I had prominent boosters DMing me and telling me, it's like, hey, we're, 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 we're probably going to get him. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I was like, okay, this is optimism talk, talking. And then it just got more and more and more. And it got to the point by Thursday, I was like, well, this is a done deal. You had sure. media people, yeah. You had media people calling me all the time. It's like, hey, this is happening. Um, are you? What are you doing content-wise? I mean, just to behind the scenes, inside baseball, 
And that's kind of like my experience with the Cam Franklin commit. Talk about you during that week. I mean, Stephen, I I saw the first thing I saw, I think, was on three. Maybe it was um, Chuck Roundsville made a notation. Hey, guys, just kind of keep your eyes out for Cam. That may have been on Monday or Tuesday, probably probably Monday night or Tuesday morning after the show. And, um, you know, it just you're 100 percent right. It snowballed from there. Um all the on three, the other on three guys, whether it's Ben or Zach piled on David Johnson piled on the two, four, seven. And from then you looked at, and then, you know, even Neil McCready with rivals, you know, at that point it said, look guys, I think this is not even a 50, 50 deal anymore. I think this is, you know, he, I feel like this is a strong lean to Ole Miss and Zach Barry even went in as far as to, put a crystal ball or the equivalent RPM prediction, 80%, you know, two days before. So look, there's a lot of rumors floating around. I've seen on some state boards that, uh, you know, that he may have a girlfriend that we paid for his girlfriend's collegiate education or something, you know, just noise, but it's all, it's all hearsay. And you know what, at the end of the day, it got the deal done and man, I'm a, I'm, I'm a happy guy. You know, for a coach that can't recruit, this is the second year in a row that he signed three out of the top five players in Mississippi. Not to or not signed, defensive. but committed. Correct, yeah. and not to mention defensive prospects as well. I mean, that mm. that is like those players, you know, say what you want about our in-state rival. Those players in the past, the five-star D linemen have been going to state and going to the NFL after that. And if they didn't get picked off by – you know, the Bamas and the Georgias of the world, they're probably giving State a really hard look. And uh, I'll give Lane Kiffin credit. I don't know what he did, but I don't, I don't care. I don't want to know. I'm just glad it got done. And it just seemed like such a quick time frame, Stephen. I mean, it was just like we were in fourth place on Monday, it felt like. I mean, just no. Well, yeah, yeah, it felt like is the important part there. That's exactly, I mean, that's yeah. so true. There was no momentum, you know, is what it felt to the, you know, to the average fan. And um, you look up a few days before his commitment and everybody's like, oh yeah, this is a done deal. And, you know, I don't know what happened, but gosh, I'm glad it happened. So uh, anyway, what it definitely made my weekend as well. Speaking of um, done deals, um Although I probably shouldn't call them done deals because yeah, there's time for the to jinx, go, man. Yeah, yeah. seriously. Uh, yeah, I owe everybody a coke after that. Um, Nareel White and Trevor Jackson will announce this weekend. I think Nareel announces on Friday. On Saturday is Trevor Jackson. This feels orchestrated. Feels like it's been set up. The date actually means something. I think it's the day after a Trevor Jackson game, so it's not like he's trying to get it done before the season. This feels orchestrated. I I would say I would put in a prediction for Ole Miss for both Noreal White, who is one of the best athletes in the country, and Trevor Jackson, who is basically built in a lab for this Lane Kiffin offense. I 100% agree with both of those. Look, I think it's no secret that Noreal White has been just a ticking time bomb to explode on the scene for Ole Miss. Um, it's – since the day he committed for Arkansas, I think everybody in the world is feeling 
severe optimism that he he ends up a Reb, and rightfully so. I mean, I think he even came out in his own words at one point and said something along the lines of Arkansas and Ole Miss are, you know, my top two options while he was committed to Arkansas. So at that point, you just got to believe, look, he went to go visit Mississippi State, if I remember not terribly long ago, maybe less than a month ago. And, uh, but I think this is a, I think you wrap this one in red and blue. Yeah, that, that, that's what it feels like. And it feels like both of them are there and this momentum will continue. And honestly, like Ole Miss right now, I've been saying for the last month, Ole Miss is big game hunting from this point on um, across the signing period. They're going after um, the biggest fish they can possibly get. I, I don't expect too many more, honestly. Um, but I do think some players like Braylon Burnside and Jimothy Lewis, I think they're flip potentials and Ole Miss isn't going to back off on them a lot. I mean, Zach Barry um, with on three did an article about Jimothy Lewis today. And I think we should keep an eye on both of those. I think there was a little bit of a stir cause because apparently Braylon Burnside like de deleted some Mississippi state things off of his Instagram page and most of his Twitter bio and people were freaking yeah. out about that. Yeah. You know, you see, I think it's like the weirdest thing in the world, but sometimes these seniors in high school, they say, I want to commit myself to the season, my senior season or whatever, and delete social media or, you know, uh, you know, unfollow the hype, whatever that may be, just to eliminate distraction for their senior season. So, you know, he did you know, remove some mentions of Mississippi State, his commitment video, stuff like that, or his commitment graphic, stuff like that. And I think some people got upset with that, which, you know, I think it's weird to stalk 17-year-olds' social media, but so be it uh, for I'm a grown be, man. I'm going to be absolutely that. honest. If they can create another C.J. Johnson, I would appreciate it. Another A.J. Brown, I would appreciate it. I just, you know, I. Uh, I mean, we gave them a JJ Harrell. Yep, yep. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I just, I think it's a unique scenario, and I, I, I don't, I think that Braylon Burnside, I think at the end, I think he would give Ole Miss a look, but I just feel like that state. state would absolutely ego not wouldn't let, him let him, Yeah, state will not. Their ego could not handle another Starkville kid going to Ole Miss. That I just don't think. Yeah, not a little, I, I don't, don't buy him. that one at I all. I don't blame him yeah. at all, and I think he's going to be a great player. Um, so look, yeah. if he's a, if if you feel like he's got the capability to be a great player, then you know it's really not a ego thing at that point. You just you're you really just don't want him getting out of town, you know. And I don't blame. I don't blame Arnett and everybody else over there for thinking like that. All right. The rumor is that, um, and this is purely rumor and speculation. Somebody on my discord brought this up, said that Lane Kiffin asked for $4 million more to complete the 2024 class. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think a lot of money? It's, hey, it's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But is there a chance they're big game hunting for that? That's the reason they ask for more because they think they can get some players. And we're about to ask about somebody in particular about that. 
Well, uh, I don't know to answer your question on that one, Stephen, because I sit there and I say, look, $4 million, $4 million and we've already got, what, 20-something commits? Well, that's um, also for the transfer portal. I agree. I agree with that. So we have maybe max 10 kids to sign left, correct? Probably somewhere in there. Yeah. Somewhere. So, I mean, that means you're shelling out. I mean, real money to these last 10 guys, maybe big game hunting is the the adjective in description to use, but um, I don't know. I've heard so many positive things about the Grove Collective, and I think everybody agrees that we're really heading in the right direction and so much further ahead than, you know, other comparable teams in the SEC with, you know, the fan base and the monetary structure that we have. But I sit there and say, you know, why do we need $4 million more million? Is that to retain existing players, too? I mean, is that if Quinshawn goes off for another 1,600-yard season? Do we do we sit down and oh. say, hey, we got to pay him more? I mean, what, what does that $4 million go to, Stephen? Is that recruits? Because if that's recruits, th- that seems very high to me. Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably recruits. I think it's big game hunting. Um, I don't think – if Quinshawn goes off, if Quinshawn doesn't go off, as long as Lane Kiffin is here, we don't have to worry about Quinshawn going as a junior. Well, that's a bad example, but, but sure. Go yeah. Ahead. But um, like Austin Simmons, how about this? Yeah, Austin sure. Simmons. Because he's going to be a flight risk because he hasn't used his transfer. All of this is going to come up. It might be a retention thing for him. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He has a chance to be um, our 2024 starter. Um, either him or Walker Howard, but Austin Simmons has a legit chance to win that job. For sure. Uh, so retention for him, that might mean something. Walker Howard, less so because um, he's already used his transfer. Um, but yeah, like Austin Simmons, Keetra Criscano, Sontarian Perkins, those players are you know, like retention is going to play heavy in their recruitment. So you believe that that $4 million excess that we feel as if we need goes towards retention as well, correct? I, I, I think – no, I think it goes for the 2024 class because that's what it was asked for. But I think okay, indirectly that extra $4 million allows you to retain – you don't lose retention. I think – they have it budgeted with yeah. how much they will need for retention from year to year. But if they need $4 million more million, they're basically making sure that that's still okay. So I've always heard, I think you and I have actually talked about this, maybe online or offline. I've always heard the number is $10 million sitting in the Grove Collective. And my thing is I've always wondered is, and I believe that the correct answer is that there's $10 million sitting in a bank account. Now that's different than ten million dollars in pledges, um, or, or I was I was, I was told it's cash on hand. I was told it was okay. cash on hand, but um, this is what you need to remember about that ten million dollars. Okay, they do not have it earmarked by percentages for each sports. Well, they might have it in a super secret thing somewhere, but you have a situation where maybe sixty percent of that money is going to football. So maybe this $4 million they're recruiting is to get football to $10 million. So I don't know why I thought. Because Chris Beard, Chris Beard, the thing Chris Beard is doing, taking a little bit of money. 
For sure. I was going to say, I don't know why I thought that the Grove Collective had was kind of its own football arm, uh, had its own no, football it, arm, so to speak, already. It's it's all sports. I, I talked to Walker Jones about this. Wow. And he, yeah, he's, wow. he said he said it's every, every sport. Yeah, well they, then. Somebody $4 from $4 every sport on campus. For, $4 million for football directly makes more sense then. If, uh, yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot more sense. So. And, and, you know, and like I, I said, go ahead. The Chris Beard, st- the Chris Beard stuff is not inexpensive. You don't that roster had to be completely rebuilt. No doubt. And look, basketball players can get expensive because you know oh, yeah. one person is twenty percent of your team. You know, twenty mm-hmm. percent of your starters. You got five guys on the court. So basketball players are, you know, can get pretty expensive pretty quick. So look, I I see that side you know talking through this with you and then at that point i believe we could use four million more but i saw today is uh the grove collective day and it seemed like everybody was very optimistic and giving today about what kiffin's doing and uh they they made six hundred thousand dollars in like two hours that's exactly what i saw yeah i think they started Mm. at like nine or eight a.m and by like lunch there's six hundred thousand and i mean that's awesome that's what that's a thank you for cam franklin and what what our coaching staff is doing i think yeah i don't think that that's happens to be a timely uh coincidence i mean i believe that that's that's very prompted with the great news that we've had over the weekend yeah and before we get out of here real quick, I, you know, I, this is kind of an abrupt segue, essentially. But Ryan Wingo, David Johnson from Inside the Rebels and 24-7, talked about how sources Ole Miss was gaining traction with him. I think Zach Barry doesn't think that is Wild. the case. Yeah. But it'll be you interesting know, to see if they, if I, they have $4 million. I mean, like I said, this, this would be the definition of big game hunting. That is definitely true. He's a top, what, 10 player in the country, something like that, uh, top seven. And my kind of understanding, he's a Texas, Missouri, you know, kind of lean, either one of those. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this kind of came out of nowhere too, Stephen. Uh, hadn't heard his name. I, I, has he been on campus? I'm not even sure he's been on campus. Yeah, I, I, I have not heard his name at all. I know little about this. I think maybe David Johnson said he had visited. I, I, I do not know. Um, well, you know, anyway, it, so be it. And um, you know, I, if we don't get him this go around, maybe in the transfer portal. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that exactly was definitely kind of weird weird news today, I felt like. Just kind of, whoa, where's this guy been? Why? I didn't even know we were having conversations with him. Now, Ryan Wingo, for whatever reason, and th- this is just my opinion of what I think is going on, but you hear a different name pop up for Ryan Wingo about every week or two. And he's somebody that has about 100 offers at the moment. So basically, he just you know, takes a ping pong ball like the NFL draft lottery. And this week, this week, this team is making noise. And and, and, it, and it happens. I think... um. I forget his name, the defensive lineman that committed to Missouri. You have to remember. Nan Warney. Um, Nan Warney. Uh, yeah. Williams. Williams, yeah. Nan Warney. Yeah. Um, 
it was between them and Oklahoma, but Missouri has that weird NIL law that as soon as a player commits, they can start earning money, Um, which means that Missouri is the prohibited favorite for Ryan Wingo um, because of that. And we'll see exactly what happens. I think Texas has kind of a weird um, NIL law as well. Um, So we'll see exactly what happens. I know that with the addition of Cam Franklin, ears perked up around the country. And that lets you know how good Cam Franklin is thought of, how well he's thought of around the country. Because people are like, oh, hey, Ole Miss is on fire right now in recruiting, and they've gotten one commit this week. They're probably going to get Trevor Jackson and the real white, but at this point they have one commit. And that tells you pretty much how good Cam Franklin is. No doubt. Well, look, I'll ask you this. What do you think, you know, consensus-wide – uh, Ole Miss could end up recruiting class this year. I mean, I I think we could end up a sub top 20 class, which would be awesome, I think. It, yeah, I think I think it comes down to um, who gets recruited after Nareel White and Trevor Jackson because after them, Ole Miss will be number 20 on the consensus, on the composite. Okay. Uh, now – Whenever it happens, and whenever this happens, Ole Miss is going to be 20 or 19, and then other players that are ranked in the top 10 or 15 are going to get players, and Ole Miss might drop back to 22 or 23. So it comes down to whether or not they get somebody like Jimothy Lewis, whether or not they get Braylon Burnside. Players like that could completely turn this around. Now, people are going to say, what about Jamonte Waller? And that is probably the question I've gotten on the Discord um, more than any other um, was what about Jamonte Waller? And and the rumor about Jamonte Waller is Florida gave him a bag. Good for him. And, yeah. and But it's more than he's going to be able to get at other schools. So it's going to be hard for them to match what that is. And I don't believe that Jamonte Waller is going to get that significantly more of a bag than Cam Franklin. So in the world of NIL, it can be weird like that. And everything can be cut and dry or everything can be about the same and old-fashioned recruiting comes into play again like it did with Cam Franklin. Mm -hmm. So I don't see Jamonte Waller flipping. I think he's pretty locked in. Here's the thing, though. I don't think he has to. I, th- I think we have pretty much the best defensive line class in the country. And that's kind of good enough for me. Well, I agree with that. But I think it would also, you could look from the opposite perspective and say, how how cool would it be if you're Jamonte Waller and you grew up going to all these camps with Jeffrey Rush, Cam Franklin, uh, Cameron Beavers, all these other guys, William Eckle and you say, let's go do it, and you want to jump on board because Ole Miss is Vogue right now. I mean, that would be awesome. That stuff happens in Bama. It wouldn't happen here, I'm sure. But Who, who are you? I don't know, man. The highs and lows. <laughs> the highs and the lows. Uh, you know, literally last week I was just down in the dumps about Dan Franklin, but uh, today I'm, I'm probably soaring high. Definitely are. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy does a fantastic job. Also, the Ultimate College Football Preview is out right now, along with the SEC. 
I battle the other SEC hosts to get Ole Miss relevant and mentioned. Um, I do the best I can, but it can be difficult as well. But we're part of the um, Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every single day. Pratt, thank you very much, man, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, buddy. See ya. All right.